0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Running the Race podcast. RTR is a ministry of First Baptist Church of Gonzales, Louisiana, strives to provide a pastoral perspective on living the Christian life in our day. To learn more about FBCG, head over to our brand new website, www.fbcg.net. It's loaded with resources we hope you'll find helpful. Today's episode is on worship, specifically congregational worship. This episode features a new guest, FBCG's worship pastor, Dr. John Finney. John and Pastor Jim discuss the role of singing in church life, how our musical preference factors into our worship, and how the church selects what it sings. We conclude with some helpful encouragements and exhortations to the church body concerning congregational worship.
1: Hi, I'm Pastor Jim Law, and today I'll be talking with Dr. John Finney, who is our worship pastor, and we'll be talking worship today, corporate worship in particular, and why we do what we do as a local body. John and his wife, Jennifer, their four daughters, moved from Connecticut and began their ministry here at FPCG in January 2022. Uh, John has a bachelor's degree in piano performance uh, and a master of music from the University of Kentucky. He also has a doctorate Doctor of musical arts from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. John and I both graduated from the University of Kentucky, and John living 20 miles from LSU, <laughs> some have suspected a conspiracy, <laughs> but we can say with a clear conscience before God and man that uh, he has orchestrated your call here, and I have expressed to you uh, that I believe you and your family are a gift to our church. We're so grateful for you. And I'll always remember the trip I made uh, prior, and you know, as we were talking about you coming here, uh, trip to Connecticut with Russ Co- Russ Copeland, one of our elders, uh, to meet you and your family, and grateful that we can talk about worship in this podcast. My hope, John, is that uh, the church, um, our local church, would be able to hear your heart with regard to worship, and also to a wider audience who may be listening in. So. Um, You know, let's just begin. I've said to you that in many respects, I think you have one of the hardest assignments here, and that is selecting music. Not only the challenge of, you know, theological soundness, but also the wide variety of preferences and musical styles. So let's just ask the question right out of the gate, John. Why is music so hotly contested in the church?
2: I love that question. Uh, I think it's it's just simple questions are helpful. I think this question kind of came up in an informal uh, discussion we'd had several weeks ago. And one of the first things that kind of popped into my head was uh, music is simultaneously both a first order concern of the church, of worship, and it's a third order concern of the church. So how's it a first order concern and, and simultaneously a third order? Well, it's a first order concern in that we are commanded in scripture to sing. So uh, 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 Ephesians 5, singing to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So it's a command. And uh, mm. churches have always said this. I, yes, there have been occasionally throughout history a few churches that kind of struggled and didn't have singing. But we have to sing. I mean, this is just a command from scripture. And so we can't, when it gets tough, we can't just not do it. Uh, you know, some things in life and in the church, when they get tough, we go. This is divisive. It could be helpful, but since it's divisive, we're not going to do that. And that's wisdom. We don't have that here. We have to struggle through it um, because it's commanded. Um, and we're to do it joyfully. And to do it joyfully.
1: Psalm one hundred. It's you know the word to shout joyfully to the Lord. And um, and you know you mentioned Ephesians five, and just coupling that with Colossians three. Uh, where the command is the singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in, your, in heart your heart to the Lord. So we should come with a desire to offer a sacrifice of praise with that attitude.
2: Uh, uh, yes. You know, and I'm kind of, as I answered the question, you know, we, as, as, as those who plan worship, you know, we often, we say, well, what are we going to do, right? How are we going to do this? So we go to the word and we, and we look, we look for commands and, so that's where it's coming from. But we, we always have to remember that they're to be done with joy and from the heart mm. and that the, whole, the spirit working in us gives us the ability to, to obey with happiness, with happy hearts.
1: So how would it be a third order?
2: It, so I, we're not using music, that this term music, in exactly the same sense now. So in the first sense, it's a first order issue because it's singing. If we use the word music and say musical style... Now we're talking about something that's not a first order concern. And choose a number; it doesn't have to be three, but we know it's not. Well, maybe one.
1: that's following Doctor Moeller's triage on theology. Okay. So, yeah, the, these are uh, a third order would be where there are different styles within one church, and we're able to function together. in well, unity like love. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, just as you think about musical style, what comes to your what comes to your mind? I mean, that's where the subjectivity just kind of shipwrecks the conversation often is, um, you know, there, there's such a steadfastness on a certain style or a certain presentation of music.
2: Well, I think, yeah, and if I just step back one, be, the reason it's a third-order issue is the Scripture doesn't address style. So we can't—nobody can step up and say, um, Hezekiah 4.17 says about style. It, 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 we can't do that. So— that makes it that makes it kind of tricky, so yeah, a, a musical style, we feel very strongly about them, uh, most of us do, but it's a, it's primarily an instinctual sort of response. We didn't get to the decisions we've made because we we got there logically um, they're instinctive responses, and that means well, instincts are hard to hard to discuss. you know, sit down and let's talk about the things we feel strongly about. And then we then we struggle for logical language to even even talk about it.
1: And so there there are factors that go into how we select music, choose music. Um, um what are some things that come to your mind there that kind of make make your job kind of difficult? I mean, in the sense of trying to understand uh where people are coming from and their musical preferences and how they've been influenced in that way.
2: Yeah when we when we start conversations about music we always tend to say things like "I like it or this music speaks to me but I think that we make musical decisions about what we want to see in worship based upon even even more things than just i like it or dislike it and um I think we we one of the reasons we want this kind of music we want in church is because of Other things that we associate with the music that we like. That's the music we want because it's associated with these other things. And then we don't want this certain other sort of music because it's negative associations with it. Um, Harold Best, a a very thoughtful writer, compared music to a sponge. A sponge is a thing in and of itself, but whatever fluid it's around... (sighs) It sucks it right up. And now we have this new entity. It's a sponge and soapy water. We have a sponge and and cola, right? And music tends to be that way. So um I like to go to the Baton Rouge Symphony. I've gone a few times. I, I'm convinced that a lot of us there just like Europe. And we like expensive things, right? We like the we like the ambiance of the Symphony Hall. We also like the music. And I think every single bit of of, of, of music is like that country, maybe it reminds us of pickup trucks, or maybe it reminds us of tobacco smoke. I mean, it, music is very complex that way. And I think we, those things come into our decision-making uh, with what we want to see in music. And we tend to think it, it's just my own personal reaction to the music.
1: And I think maybe one of the factors here, and this may be jumping ahead a little bit on the other things, but you know, uh, we can hear a song from when we were in high school. Or you know, from years past, and it brings back memories of being in certain certain places uh, we, when we were in college. You know, we yeah. hear songs that were maybe popular on the TV uh, on the radio, and um, you know, bring us back to that situation. I think maybe that's the way a lot of Christians come into church. They've been listening to contemporary Christian music on the on the radio. They've perhaps gone to concerts where they've seen um, their favorite. Um, or you know artists to pre- perform and those songs that they love on the radio then they come into church and you know it's not like that <laughs> you know it's not it's not like that and I, there's an anticipation or an expectation where my, I really want my local church to sound like Kate Love yeah i really want my local church to be like the concert and that's that's really not the purpose of our gathering
2: yeah you're going to be frustrated yeah, you're going to be frustrated if that's kind of the approach. I mean, it's, it's understandable. We all have models in our mind mm-hmm. for for what should be happening there. Yeah, you know, and yeah, you're. You know, I'm susceptible too. You know, I go to a I went to a Getty conference last year, and um, there's eight thousand of us, and most everybody there is are people like me. They're church musicians, and the people up front are just like us, except they're better looking. and they have record contracts, and there's better lighting, right, than this here at First Baptist. And so I have this amazing experience with with song, whatever the song is, and I automatically associate it with this fabulous experience. And I go, that is what this church needs for revival, right, is for me to bring this song back, and I'm going to duplicate this glorious experience. Well, maybe, or maybe it'll just, you know, well, it's just not a good song, or maybe it'll fall flat, you know. But I'm bringing all this with me, and I want to—I want to build some. I've got something built up in my mind, and I can make the church into this something. Um, and maybe I'm right, or maybe I'm wrong. But that's just—I think that's just kind of how we tend to operate.
1: Mm. So um, you know, I, I think other discernment issues have, have come into play too when we're talking about the difficulty of, of and the challenges of music ministry i want to just express my personal gratitude as a maybe an aside of just for you and um, you and jennifer and your investment in children and youth as well as um, a, a full range of growing uh, musicians in our church to to lead and to uh to guide and to help as we give praise to god for your investment in a full um, range of, of music ministry that's very much appreciated and it's obvious that you um, work very hard on that and the pastoral approach that you have to what you do it's clear you're accessible and you care about um the spiritual well-being of the body um you know as we're looking at the subject- could, could I just jump in and say thank you <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> and i'm just so glad you know that we're here and uh we Jennifer is so time. glad that we're here <laughs> yeah. and it's just it's a it, this is a delightful a delightful church to to mm to be in and be with. And so we're just so grateful to be here.
1: So, um, you know, one of the things that we've had to walk through recently is just, you have a a growing, um, um, influence of different ministries to the pool of, um, of music, uh, and discernment issues has to have to be made. Like, are we going to use this material? Um, certainly, Lyrics that are problematic we reject out of hand if they're, right. they're right. not gonna guide us yeah, but we, you know we we've recently as a church made a a decision concerning the use of Bethel Hill song and elevation music in particular mm-hmm. not that um, everything they produce is problematic theologically, some of it is actually quite powerful um but you know this this plays into the mix as well because these ministries have such a a vice grip on the evangelical world, and yet um, are problematic as you look at the ministries for their charismatic Mm. excesses, their theological concerns, sexual sin issues that have um, made the headlines recently, uh, leadership concerns, uh, compromise on biblical truth with the LGBTQ plus concerns Mm. um, and agenda in our culture, financial concerns. So in short, we don't want to give any kind of endorsement uh, to these ministries. So, yeah, there's a polemic aspect to this as well, that we're having to fight through with discernment forces that would seek to influence how we worship the living God in our local body. Um, And we're not wanting to put on full battle regalia and make this the the cause and purpose of our church. But uh, I I think that we're having to have to be discerning in in our day to say, no, others may, we cannot for these reasons. And um, you know, again, we come back to uh, many people struggle with relating to older music, or maybe um, a different presentation of music, because, depending upon the instrumentation, because it doesn't fit into the uh, the genre of um, Christian contemporary music. It doesn't match their Spotify playlist. Yeah. And so it's like uh, you know, uh, so I really think uh, one of the purposes is really to to try to help our church to say, come with a heart to sing the living God. Amen. There's something here for you. We're yes. a multi generational church. Yes, we have five generations in our church. <laughs> yes. And so um, come with a heart to sing, and that will that will be a great victory for all of us uh, if we come with that heart. Uh, there's something here for me. I'm I'm going to interact with what's being sung and. A large part of your job is putting words in our mouth through mm-hmm. the music that you select. So um, maybe you could talk a little bit about that, John. Um, our view of music um, at First Baptist Church Gonzalez, FBCG. What are some thoughts on you know as you approach the task of selecting music?
2: Um, yeah, I what I what I try to do as best I can is to to ask what is excellent. Um, not necessarily what is old, what is new, what is in style, what is out of style. Those those all, they all play a role. They're not, not considered, but to, we, we're aiming for the best we can get. Um, and so um, we want excellent texts. And as you said, putting words in people's mouths and and I was just talking with Alex.
1: Maybe you could expand on that phrase a little yeah. bit. Maybe maybe because that, that isn't Deuteronomy. <laughs> uh yeah. so you know, and I, I remember talking to you about your philosophy of ministry that um uh you know, what do you mean when putting words in people's mouth? Well, because that's a negative connotation, but yeah. you we did it in the in the best of uh, uh, best of intentions.
2: So when people come and I say, let's sing. Amazing Grace, I'm essentially saying, everyone in the room, you sing these words, and we're going to sing them together. And we all do it so much, um, but it, it, we all do it so much we don't even think about it. But I'm asking everyone, regardless of who they are and what they're thinking at the moment, to stop what they're doing and sing these words with me. Um, so if you, if you think about that, we don't ask people to, to read creeds many, many churches do. I believe in God, the father almighty maker of heaven and earth. We don't do that. We tell them to sing a song and that will teach them in a sense what to believe. We don't read catechisms. Some churches read catechisms right in their worship. We don't do that. But our, our, our lyrics teach people doctrine. Um, our lyrics, as they say them, like when they, when the words are saying, uh, or addressing God. We're essentially teaching them how they should be talking to God. What's an appropriate way to approach the Almighty? Well, some of our songs deal with that. So I feel actually quite, I feel the burden of, of making those choices, I feel that rather heavily sometimes. The church only can sing max of 150, songs well. Sure, we individually can know many more than that, but we, we actually don't sing all that many songs. And I want to choose the very best ones I can because these are the, the music is helping them memorize it. We repeat them week after week, year after year, and that's going to form the fabric of their thinking about God and theology and, 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 and their Christian life. And so I just think it's so important that we get good texts and with that in mind, you know, I think that the right question when we look at a text is the wrong question to ask is, can I find anything wrong with it? There's a whole lot of songs out there that I can't find anything wrong with. I mean, it's false. I mean, there are country songs that I can't find anything false in them, um, but you wouldn't want to sing them in church. And so we're not. It's not we're we're looking for what does this song present biblical truth well. Does it produce, does it, does it say it well, rather than, I can't find anything wrong with it. So again, we're, we're really striving for excellence, yeah.
1: You and I have talked about songs that distract the congregation. What do you, what, what do you mean by that? As you look at your selection, something that may be popular uh, in the Christian culture, but nevertheless not fit for worship, um, what do you mean by distracting the congregation?
2: Everybody responds differently and we all have different filters, but um, for people to come in and they, they do know that this song is sung from a particular group and that group is known for aberrant false theology. The song itself may actually have sound theology in it, but they know that it's sung by a group that promotes things that are unbiblical. Well, now they have this little cognitive dissonance in their mind. Why am I singing this song from a group that I know, it, at least in other contexts, teaches this prosperity gospel, for instance? Well, now they have to deal with that. They, they have to figure out how to deal with that, right? Because I'm not there. You're not there to help them deal with it. So they have to deal with that in some way. So if we if we think that certain groups are problematic and going to cause some of our folks that, We're going to probably steer clear of those. That's kind of what I'm meaning with it. You
1: know, another factor as we're looking at um, selection is I can maybe anticipate someone saying, well, you know, John, it just sounds like you're so rooted in the past. You you have no affinity or no uh, sensitivity to offering anything new. What would you what would you say to that? Because the way you're the way you're speaking about these things, it's like um, I, I, I just would want to be clear. Yeah. You, you're, what you're not saying is you're closed to anything new.
2: No, by no means. You know the reason we sing older things tends to because because they have been filtered, and we have chucked the old ones. Right. So it's not like everybody that was writing in the seventeen fifties was were writing gold. No, they were writing every every good, bad, and indifferent, right? And and typically, the better stuff gets filtered. And it's the same now, right? People are writing wonderful stuff today. We're seeking to find it. And we're seeking to use it. We're also surrounded by mediocre and just plain bad. Um, so it's like it, kind of back to that issue of quality. Um, that's my hope. My hope is to use past and present. And I, I, we try to use a lot of the present, um, but again, our focus is on quality. But we want to sing, as you've mentioned, singing a new song. We we want we want to say the faith in the language of today.
1: As, you know, I I love that statement in the Psalms, which speaks of a new song of God's fresh redemption, yeah. fresh work in our lives, and those are being produced by wonderful songwriters and musicians, and right um, now, right. I you know I think as far as our music goes as well something that has always meant a lot to us is uh, this multi generational makeup mm. of the body. You know, I mentioned I paid a visit to one of our members yesterday, 104 years old. You know our our oldest is 105, and then we have children everywhere uh, on any given Sunday. So you know there's a lot of there's a lot of range of preference there. And we're not—we're never driven by well, we got to appeal to the older people, or we got to mm. appeal to the younger people, because often when you take that approach to music, you demoralize somebody. Right. You—you know—you—you you miss somebody altogether, and I—I I think a lot is lost when you lose a multigenerational. Yes. Uh, where one generation is not vying for, uh, becomes a squeaky wheel in the church that needs to be oiled, and you you just kind of quench any kind of the variety and the preferences that um, make up the body. You know, multi-generational singing, I I was thinking years ago, this young man, he was a teenager, and he was in a band, and they were invited to go to a church that was full of older people. And, you know, I spoke with him afterwards, and I said, how'd it go? And he said, well, they weren't ready to receive. (laughs) Which, which I took to be is you played at over 100 decibels right. and couldn't understand why they weren't raising their hands and, and following you. So, I mean, you know, there's a wide range of things that I think um, needs to be considered when you're choosing music. Any, any thoughts from you on that?
2: Well, traveled with a college group and we, we, we traveled out west and we traveled, you know, 10 hours to get to a church. We got there on some ridiculous weeknight and there were eight people. And we all sang our hearts out to them. And when it was over, they said, "Thanks for coming, but you were too loud, you know." And we're like, "Oh, rats, you know, I, sorry." Anyway, but yeah, that's just sorry. I, I, random memory there, but no, we are here. We are here to serve the congregation and not, yeah, not exalt ourselves or anything like that.
1: So we understand, um, you know, that there there are preferences and differences, and what I hear from. This conversation, John, is you would want our church to know that we're open to, you're open to look and to pursue meaningful songs and music that would edify the body and be a a glory to our Lord in corporate worship. Maybe we could close with uh, some, you know, just some encouragements or exhortations to the body.
2: You know, I would say this to everybody, enjoy... Seeing your brothers and sisters singing things you don't particularly enjoy yourself.
1: That's a dying to self.
2: Yeah, that kind of thing. You know, I can't tell you, I'm as selfish as anybody else, but often I learn to love songs that I wouldn't choose because I see people crying when they sing. You know, I go, man, I wouldn't have chosen that, but you know, the church knows it. And so we sing it. And lo and behold, this song that means very little to me personally, I look out and I see people being moved by it. Mm-hmm. and that changes my attitude towards the song. so I would just encourage people to 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 enjoy seeing other people. now some some Sundays, of course, we're all kind of sleepy, <laughs> and right, So there's maybe not a lot of enthusiasm, but I think we can see on, we can learn to love what others love at, at least a little bit.
1: Mm. I think too, John, um, just thinking about this the singing aspect of our worship that we would really see ourselves offering um a, a sacrifice of praise to Christ. Yes. That we're singing to him for him. And um uh that seems to really purify <laughs> the reason we're in the room. You know, it, it's for him and and I, you know, I I
2: I think that probably Christ is a little <laughs> who's to say these things, but I think Christ is more honored when we sing with enthusiasm a song we we don't prefer because we are dying to self when i sing a song that's my favorite i may just be singing it because it's my favorite but but when i when i do die to self and i say you know what i love the lord and i'm going to use this i th- i think god is pleased with those um with with that act of 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 dying to self
1: i can maybe anticipate um in this very Controversial conversation, really. Yeah. On, on uh, maybe some frustration or or even some anger because these these things are held so close to the heart for many people. Yeah. And I think a lot of the anger is misplaced. Not that we're you know not willing as pastors to consider new things or new presentations of things. We love it when um, members of our body present things that. Um, are an honor to Christ. And to think about our, our worship for a moment, that often the people envision a concert setting. Oh, yeah. yeah and that's not what our gathering is about. Um, and I, I think of maybe the prominence of the musicians or the prominence of the singer uh, is misplaced in the minds of, of, of many um, to our detriment. Uh, I I share from time to time, this just really meant so much to me, just Mark Dever giving a lecture on Puritanism at a prominent uh, evangelical church in Britain. And he was describing the architecture, and he pointed out the wrought iron um, stand in front of the pulpit that was dates back to the 1500s, 1600s, and they were gifts of the congregation to the pastor, and they were hourglass turners, or hourglass holders, I'm sorry. And they would usually give the pastor one or two turns of the hourglass for the sermon. (laughs) Those (laughs) days are gone. (laughs) But there were, you know, as he was saying this, there was an audible gasp from one woman who said, what time did we have for worship?
2: As a a preaching
1: weren't worship. Right, right. And so uh, often people equate music with worship. And never, you know, he said, my heart sank. I saw the Protestant Reformation was for naught. And um, he went on. his answer to her was, I think that the people who gave those to the congregation, there, there may, might well be those old enough to remember the smell of burning flesh. For people who gave themselves to translate God's word into a language that they could understand and, and hear for themselves and read. And if they got together and had time for singing two songs as opposed to four songs, As long as they could hear God's word and put it into practice in their lives, they would know that they had done Mm. the chief part of worship Mm. and that they would be well satisfied. And so I think there's a great danger in communicating, um, you know, this this dichotomy, worship and preaching, worship and prayer. We would never say that, but often worship and music is, is what is the... Yes. The jewel that is held up.
2: That's worship. Right. Yeah. The singing part is worship and everything else is whatever, whatever it is. It's, yeah.
1: And so, um, thinking through ways to encourage and exhort our congregation because we want to grow in our worship as a church.
2: Yeah. And I, you know, as you, you hear, you thinking about preaching and, and you might say the other parts besides singing, um, we want to sing things that relate to people. We really do. Um, but you know, I think we all need to, particularly for me included. I mean, we all who love music and we just we just think about it, and we, you know, and we go to a, ch- a church that frustrates us somehow musically, and we go, "Why are they doing it that way?" I think it can help us if we take greater interest in other areas: the preaching, the Sunday school, the men's ministry, the women's ministry, prayer there's so many areas of of the church ministry and um particularly musician type folks we tend to get kind of myopic and we tend to think of a good church as a church with good music and we kind of think that well the other stuff is okay right i just think i think it helps to keep balanced we we really want to be interested in everything we can be about this body we we all have our gifts right we all have our interests that's perfectly understandable but if we if we get really myopic, and we just think about music then it we, we just kind
1: of things get out of balance well well john i I pledge you know for my part and um, church life that uh, we will we will pray for you and you know for our pursuit of holiness and um and and for your musical decisions you're approachable um, you, you have a, a pastor's heart with regard to how and why you do what you do. And um, uh, I pledge to, to pray and to lead our church to pray for you and Jennifer as you fulfill your ministry here. I'm so grateful for you. And uh, thank you for this time just to talk through uh, these um, important um, issues in church life as it relates to music. Thank you, brother. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Jim.
0: Thanks again for listening to another episode of Running the Race Podcast find out more information about our church and our ministry, or for more episodes, be sure to visit our website, www.fbcg.net. If you're listening on iTunes or Google Podcasts, a positive review would really help us out a lot. Thanks for taking the time to do that. If you found the podcast to be interesting and helpful, recommending it to a friend or family member that you think would benefit from listening would be a great thing. We look forward to seeing you again next time. Once again, thanks, God bless, and goodbye for now.